Folks, take it from me, NBA legend Bill Walton. Like all great experiments in American history, the Three and D Love podcast will revolutionize your life. Welcome to the Three and D Love NBA podcast. Thanks for joining us, and I'm your host, Michael Eaney. We're joined, as always, by the brother, Ryan Eaney, and, of course, our namesake, the venerable D-Love, Derek Lovegren. Here we go. Welcome to the 3 and D-Love NBA podcast. Today, we are joined by two special guests, the author and illustrator of the children's book, B is for Baller, the basketball alphabet for kids. I can tell you this is a hit book in the Eaney household. Uh, my daughter and hopefully my soon-to-be two-year-old son are going to be very excited about this book. So again, we're joined by the author, James Littlejohn, and the illustrator, Matthew Shipley. Uh, and, and they released B is for Baller here a few years ago. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It's a, well, a pleasure. It is. I mean, this book... Uh, for our listeners, we've done uh, a variety of author interviews, and I'll tell you what, this is one of my most exciting ones because I can tell you, matter of factly, this is of all the books we've discussed on this podcast, this is the one I have read the most. Now, it's con- it's conveniently like 30 pages, and I read it with my daughter at bedtime uh, several times a week, uh, but it- it's a joy. It's the ABC's uh, and it has a number of really fun pages in here kind of outlining historical players and new players and lots of kind of funny one-liners. I, I'm just curious, guys, how did, like, walk us through, how did you come to a place where you go, hey, I want to make an ABC book about the NBA? I mean, what a great idea. I'm just curious. Where, what's the or, origin of this? I'll let James take this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it started, I'm a dad. And when you are a parent, like you said, you don't just read kids' books, like you read the same kids' books, like, right? Because once your kid finds a book they like, they don't read it once. Like, the, my kids will like read a book and then it's like, read it again. Like, I, it's like, I just read this book and they want to read it again, right? So just like, some of the books were great, but like, I don't know, at some point my head was like wandering and I, I was probably reading an alphabet book and I just, kind of was thinking about like MBA nicknames, like Dr. Dr. J. And then I was like, kind of going through mailman. And I was like, I bet I could put together an entire book of these and kind of sprung from there. And, you know, I, I saw Matthew's art and I was like, this is amazing. It's perfect for this idea. I reached out to him and we kind of took the idea to Kickstarter and uh, the rest is history. So. Well, what a, I mean, what a fun idea. You guys took it to Kickstarter. And so this is a couple of years ago now, but you basically run a Kickstarter and raised money for the first edition, right? Is that that? And then and then ultimately you guys went forward with publishing. You guys self-published initially. Yeah, we self-published. And then, uh, you know, now a, a great publisher, Triumph, has picked it up. So it's available everywhere. Fine books are sold now so yeah now we're uh we're kind of on amazon and all over the place but initially yeah we just kind of took to to kickstarter and honestly it did better than i think we were expecting so um i don't know if that's just because we're pessimists but it, it <laughs> kind of it succeeded our expectations and uh, i think it's really cool to see that it like resonated with people yeah i think i had to push uh 
push a little bit on our initial goal and it I mean it blew that out of the water so um yeah is is fun to do kickstarter but it's cool to be with a publisher and we've done a couple other books since then so yeah i mean that's what's so fun i think about this series is is the bs or baller book obviously kicks off this sort of abc style book for kids but it's but it's morphed into this new series i mean tell Tell us about this ABC to MVP series. You have a few more sort of additions here with a few other sports. Um, yeah, we started off with uh, the basketball one. And then uh, after Triumph picked that up, they talked to us about doing some other ones. And so we did uh, G is for Galazzo, which is a soccer ABC book. And then... Um, that came out in 2019 and then we did S's for Slugger, uh, which came out in 2020. We haven't, we haven't discussed any, any more quite yet. We'll see. I think the pandemic has kind of put a stop to that, but who knows? Yeah, seriously. Well, I'll tell you what, the S's for Slugger book as a, as a, as a child of the Pacific Northwest to see Ken Griffey Jr. on the cover of a children's book, that one got me pretty excited but I, I think you guys have a future here. I mean, when is C for cricket? You could go international, right? H is for hurling, right? Get, get into the Ireland market. No, I mean, right? There's a whole future here if you can get Triumph on board, right? Dude, I'd be down to read H is for hurling. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have to do some research, but that sounds amazing. Um, yeah. If you need a consultant, I've been to one match. It was it was quite the experience, but uh, by no means an expert. Um Getting back to B is for baller. I'm curious, guys, like what, you know, you start with um, A is for air, obviously starting with Jordan. Uh, and then I think it goes into bird and then harden C is for cooking. I mean, there's a lot of creativity here, both in terms of, you know, how you guys picked players and also ideas and words, but then also the illustrations. I mean, the, the Matthew, the, the, the illustration of Harden in the kitchen is like, I think actually perfect. You, you really, you really captured his, uh, his stir in the pot kind of motion that he was so he's been so known for in his career. I mean, how did you, what, tell me more about the creative process for both of you in terms of developing BS for baller. Um, well, I think James, James is a, is a copywriter by profession, right, James? So he's, I mean, I think we both have creative backgrounds and he had a lot of the book already written by the time he uh, approached me. But there, I mean, there were a few letters where we kind of brainstormed and went back and forth on what would be a good fit, what would make the best kind of illustration. I mean, it's only 26 letters, so you have to be kind of picky too. So who are the must-haves and can you get away with leaving out yeah i mean it's like a mix of like it, it's not the 26 best players in nba history um but you know it, it we have like the very best in there obviously mj larry bird lebron um you know magic johnson and then it's kind of like all right who's like gonna make a great illustration right so that's why like Larry grandmama like goes in there. Right. Uh, that was terrific. Larry Johnson. Um, 
you know, it's just fun ones like that. Um, Dennis Rodman, who actually might be one of the 25 greatest players ever, actually. But um, wow, you know, coming in hot. I love it. Dude, he, he's he's pretty amazing. Um, so, you know, coming in with like, you know, a mix of like great players and then just like colorful personalities. Yeah. It'll make like fun illustrations. And yeah, it's a lot of like just like you know, collaboration and then like moving players around, trying to figure it out. I, I think we did ultimately a pretty good job though of, of getting in a nice mix of players across eras, nicknames, and, you know, and, and kind of different, you know, and having kind of fun illustrations with them. So. I mean, it, I do feel like you did, you captured the essence of, I'll tell you, I mean, are this era of the NBA, I mean, you kind of reach back. It, it's just a remarkable um, collection of players and, and illustrations and, and it's a wonderful story do you have any specific pages for each of you individually that jumps out as sort of your personal favorites well pat matthew what do you have one um you brought up the n is for 90s page earlier which i mean is a lot of people's favorite um i like that i'm a sixers fan so Q is for question, and I was able to sneak on uh, Embiid too, which is so. which is amazing. I mean, listeners, this is a this is such a fun fun page. Q is for question. Obviously, you have the answer. Allen Iverson is sort of the the in the foreground, but then Matt. I mean, the fact that you slipped in Embiid multiple years ago, and and uh, the to see the player he's become. I mean, the runner up and the MVP this year. I mean, it's a pretty fun sort of like historical you know, reference point to, to, to uh, the way he'd embraced, you know, the process and the, the whole kind of Sixers journey. Yeah, I think, well, part of the Kickstarter, I think there were like levels where someone could uh, pay to like add a player that they wanted. And I don't, I think my dad, my dad meant to do that, to put and beat in there. And I don't think he like did it right, but I, we still... <laughs> got him in there so that's partly thanks to my dad and yeah that one's worked out I think they're I mean who's in there that probably now like Porzingis is on like the end page that maybe he's kind yeah. of flinked out a little bit but yeah Porzingis might get uh drawn out in our next in our next publishing if he if he doesn't turn around his career a little bit but in the in the paperback yes I, I mean yeah. that's that's funny I mean the, the last page is this we've got next and it's sort of more of a future looking page I mean the fact that you guys nailed AD and Giannis four years ago now, I mean, obviously, you know, we saw where these things were going, but, you know, you have those two plus Porzingis, which, you know, with a nickname like the Unicorn is probably an illustrator's dream in terms of uh, depicting Christoph Porzingis in a children's book. But it was, uh, that was, that was certainly a fun one. Yeah, I think my, my favorite page is probably the Bill Walton page. J is for jam um, just because the audacity to have grateful dead references in a children's book. And like, I, I don't know, Bill Walton to me is like the funniest, like I could listen to Bill Walton commentate on basketball all day long and just laugh and like, it never gets old. So he's like, uh, they just the drawing there of him as like a hippie. I don't know. I really like that one. So that's a, that's a personal favorite for me. That is uh, as, as the patron saint of the three, the, the three and D love podcast, I think 
Um, I, I also shared, I, I started cracking up and my daughter actually looked up at me like I was like a crazy maniac, like laughing at a page in a children's book. Uh, and it, it doesn't, you know, the concept maybe went over the head of, of our, our, her, at, you know, two and a half years old, but it certainly, uh, you know, the, the idea that imagining, you know, Bill Walton tripping on whatever his drug of choice at that point in time was at a, at a concert depicted in a children's book was, was pretty on brand, but um, I will say I had to, I have to fall in line with Matthew. I think the end is for nineties page, having been a, a child of the nineties now in sort of my mid thirties, you know, to be able to, to, to walk through all of these players, you know, and kind of a reminisce for my own sake, but also, right. I mean, if, if what is parenting, if not indoctrinating your children into whatever you really care about. Right. So to be able to walk my daughter through here, well, here's David Robinson and Patrick Ewing and Dikembe Mutombo and Sean Kemp and Gary Payton, right. The glove, which she, she my, my daughter calls the glove man, which, uh, feels, feels, feels incredibly appropriate, but, uh, the end is for nineties. I mean, what a time to be alive is the, is the little, uh, the, the wording under that page, which, which I don't, I don't know, James, if you had to restrain yourself when you were writing that page or not, but I, I can't imagine any better sort of phrasing for that one. I mean, when you were writing these little kitschy, you know, one, two liners, obviously you're a copywriter by profession, but you know, three, the, the T page was great, right? T is for threes, you know, but I think it's remind me, do you remember what T is for three? T is for threes. I have the book here. I can read it if you if we if we can't remember. Yeah, I have it here too. Let me just pull it up because I. It is. Uh, layups are nice and dunks are dope, but threes are better because they're worth the most. Um, I don't do a lot of rhyming, but yeah, there was some rhyming in it. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was fun writing this. Honestly, like it, it didn't feel like work. It was just like a, a fun project. So. Um, yeah, it was fun bouncing around different different ideas for these ones. I have to know. So when you write that line, it does it hit you like a strike of lightning, and you're like, "Oh man, I nailed that one." Or, or is it? Are you workshopping it? Are you talking to your significant other, to your children? I mean, what's your what's your creative juices running like when you when you write that one? Because that one, again, was I feel like such a. I mean, not to continue with the metaphor, it was such a slam dunk you know, laughing about, you know, you have a picture of, of Reggie Miller, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Matthew, which was, it's a perfect encapsulation of the, the I think a Ray Allen maybe is who is who's on that page, but you know, these guys that are iconic for their three point shooting and given where the NBA is, obviously that's a pretty relevant skill set for, for the future of the NBA. But, you know, James, does that line just hit you like a strike of lightning? I, I do all my writing in my, in my sleep. I just dream up stuff and then I, I, uh, no, I mean, it's work. I mean, I, I don't remember that line specifically, like if it just came to me or not. I mean, but no, I'll, I'll kind of like, just, just write down as many options as I can and just kind of play with them. And that one felt good. Some of them are, are tricky and I'm like, I'm not sure if I ever quite nail them, but you know, I'll do my best. Um, I remember the Carl Malone stanza. I like, I worked a long time on that one to get it right. Um, which like that one actually, you, you, you probably don't realize, but like, you know, he's, he plays on the jazz and I'm actually playing off of a Mormon hymn in that. Um, no, you're not. The, yeah, I am. So I'm taking like, the, so that's like a little inside joke. If you're a jazz fan that you, you might pick up on. Um, so like that one, uh, that one's really was funny, but it took me a while to like nail that one. So 
um, there's things like that kind of throughout the book, but anyway. that is that that there the levels there are are particularly remarkable. But um, that is uh, that's that is something else. I, I I I I mean, all the pages are great. There's so many fun ones. The uh, I will say, Matthew, the the imagery of Dennis Rodman with the worms coming out of his face, which is actually perfectly captures. Rodman also terrified my two-year-old. So we actually had to skip that page for, I think the first year we read the book, uh, but we've come full circle now. And now, you know, Worm Man is, uh, is, a, is a rather interesting character in the book. Yeah, I think your, kid, your kid's not alone. I think that scared a few kids, <laughs> but it was, it was a fun one to do. It felt right. <laughs> Seriously. Um, is there was there any pages that were omitted or kind of left on the cutting room floor or any references that, that you guys were kind of going, you know what, you know, I only have 26 pages, right? There's, there's only so many letters in the alphabet. There's no exclamation point that I can uh, add in here. What was there anything that, that fell out in your kind of, in your guys' process? Well, just, just when uh, triumph picked up the book, uh, we kind of had to, edit it down just to like fit their standards um as i think i mean it was i think 32 pages is like a typical children's book and it was like a little bit the kickstarter version was a little bit longer so there's a few things that got left out uh, i think like sean bradley was in it before um yeah, he was on the shack page. Um, he had like gotten kind of dunked on in the background, um, which actually doesn't sound funny now because he got paralyzed in the last like year. So that's this just took a dark turn when you. <laughs> it is that, <laughs> that, that you're a little fortunate. Uh, so yeah, that's a uh, you know hopefully uh, yeah there's, that's just really sad. But um, yeah, there were a few other players. There were a lot of players honestly that we were like trying to fit in. Um, but sometimes less is more like if you put in too many players on a given page, it actually kind of takes away from it. So it's a, it's a balance of finding the right number of, of players. Yeah, it's certainly, um, I, I feel like you guys captured again, sort of you, you, the remote, the remarkable thing to me is, and not to see it sound overly analytical here, it is a children's book. So let's not get too far ahead of us, but, but I feel like you did a really great job capturing sort of the historical relevance of some of these players, right? Dr. J, MJ, right? And there's these like, you know, even like Pistol Pete, right? Which I like grew up watching like VHSs of, you know, spin the ball on his finger type of situations. But then you have some of the current guys that have really aged well, actually. I mean, and then you have a few of the future looking guys. I mean, it's just a fun balance as again, this indoctrination tool for, for all of our children uh, uh, to, to check it out. So I, you know, I thought it was really fun. It's a, it's a terrific, uh, it's a terrific book, but you know, you guys mentioned, I mean, this is an NBA podcast and you mentioned you guys are big NBA fans. You did write an NBA, you know, children's book. I mean, what's, Matthew, you mentioned you're a Sixers fan. I mean, what's your read so far on this offseason? I mean, is Daryl Morey a total, like, has he lost his marbles or, or is he some mad genius that he's going to pull this whole Ben Simmons situation off? Uh, I mean, I'd say right now Ben Simmons is, I mean, he's his worth in the trade market is probably at the lowest it's been. I mean, I think a lot of people are overlooking his defense, um, 
I don't know the the post from the other day where it showed him like uh like somebody was like going over a screen and he like dribbles through and dunks it was I thought was like the funniest thing ever because nobody <laughs> nobody would go over a screen covering Ben Simmons of course uh, I don't know I yeah it seems I mean it sure seems like it's irreconcilable as far as like the relationship goes but I mean I I thought like initially I thought it that there's no way we'll trade him until at least closer to the trade deadline during the season so I mean we'll see what happens yeah it's the the video of watching ben simmons practices shooting with 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 noted marksman rajon rondo wasn't exactly encouraging to me if i was a sixers fan uh but it does it does feel like a little bit of another kick in the gut given the you know the journey you know the process so to speak of getting to this point um there is you know i'm curious i mean if they can pull off this lillard situation i mean there's a lot of I have a lot of friends that listen to this podcast that are Blazers fans. I think they're crossing their fingers that uh, Neil Olshay doesn't give in and trade Damian Lillard to the Sixers. But I mean, Lillard and uh, Embiid have got to get you excited about that idea. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I think, yeah, it depends on who we get rid of too, maybe, or maybe it'll be worth it no matter what. I don't know. We just like Tyrese Maxey is so fun. Matisse Thibault's incredible. I don't, yeah, it'll, I mean, I feel like it'll hurt because they'll want to get as much as they can, but for sure. We'll see. Yeah, I will. It's going to be, it's one of the, it's one of my more interesting off season storylines. I think the way the Eastern conference is sort of reloaded and restacked. Um, Philadelphia is obviously, I think a bit of the, the bigger wild card uh to kind of see how this comes together now james you you mentioned you grew up a warriors fan and have sort of evolved beyond that uh you know what era warriors i mean are you like a we believe warriors guy was it was it even earlier than that was it tmc i mean where where are you in the in the warriors lineage i mean chris mullen is my favorite basketball player of all time um period full stop um I'll ride and die with Chris Mullen. That's a uh, wonderful choice. And then uh, I, I, you know, all throughout the '90s, yeah, huge fan through the Spreewell era. And then there's some real low years in the late '90s, early 2000s. The We Believe Warriors, um, they definitely hold a special place in my in my heart. Um, that was a fun team. And then obviously, the current era was like almost weird to watch because I was like, wait. The Warriors are like the team now. They're good. Like they're the, t- <laughs> it was like, I was like, this is the same team that like I grew up watching. It was, it was bizarre, but Curry is like, I mean, he's an all-timer. He's, 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 uh, he's really like an all-time special player. So he's just kind of changed the whole franchise. And then obviously they built the team around him really well. So um, it's, it's not hard to be a Warriors fan in the last like, you know, half decade. So kind of a different, <laughs> it's a different experience. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know if you've, if you've seen the news today, Draymond Green released an interview with Kevin Durant 
kind of reminiscing about their conflict on the court a few years ago and then criticizing both Bob Myers and Steve Kerr and their handling of it. I mean, what's your, you know, is, is Draymond long for golden state? Is this, is this more just Draymond being Draymond? I actually haven't seen that yet. So, um, but I, I can, that does from what you've told me, that is, that isn't surprising. I mean, Draymond, I think Draymond's going to have a, a great career post MBA as like an analyst, he'll probably be on TNT because he's, uh, he's yes. funny. He's unfiltered. He's, he's really good. And then as a player, I can understand why other fans would, he'd drive them crazy. Cause he, he, he has antics sometimes on the court, but he's, he's a heck of a player. So he, he is, he's a remarkable, uh, I mean, his defensive capabilities, I just, I ride or die with Draymond too. I, I think he's actually tremendous, even though he has the offensive limitations. He just, every once in a while, you kind of go, man, you, uh, you know, maybe quit telling Steph what to do. He's like the seventh greatest player of all time, somewhere in there. I mean, he's, he's amazing. So, um, but what, a you know, you kind of mentioned you're, you're, you're more just a bigger NBA fan at this point. I mean, is there any other kind of storylines where you're kind of, Hey, maybe, you know, this, th these new developments uh, need to get reflected in our next edition of BS for baller. I mean, what are you, what are you excited about in the NBA right now? Um, I mean, there's just a lot of players. It's a funny, I like, I like the current era of the NBA. I mean, uh, it's funny. You go on like Twitter and you'll hear people. I, I do. I do agree that like some of the officiating, they should change some of the stuff for sure. That's there is a, there is a problem with, with the way the games officiate, but overall, like, I don't mind the like tons of threes and just like the current era we live in, even though like, yeah, like I'm obviously nostalgic for like nineties basketball. When you actually like watch a full game of like nineties, you're kind of like, wait a second, this is not what I remembered. Like it was like 84, like 76 and you're like, wait a second, this is not as much fun. Like, I see why the game has like changed the way it has. Um, I mean, players like obviously Curry, but then Lillard and like so many of these guys just take shots that dude, no one would have even tried like back then. Like they just, nobody played that way. So it's, it's a cool era. I, I just like so many of the guys that, that are in the league now. So. Well, it's, it's funny you say that. I watched, I think at Christmas uh, this last year, I, I was home. I was at my folks' house, and I watched, I think, either Game 6 or Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals from 1996, and it was the Sonic. I grew up a Sonics fan, so it was Sonics Jazz. I mean, that game was played in mud. I mean, even though I remember being, like, you know, a child, being so excited. I mean, the Sonics were in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. You have Peyton and Kemp and, you know, Nate McMillan, et cetera, but it was like the amount of 16 footers. I mean, it looks like a, like a rec game at the YMCA these days, watching these guys try to move around and just absolute, I mean, it's more of like, you know, it's in the trenches of a football game more than, than the, the kind of pace and space that we see now. And I think you're right. I mean, the aesthetic quality of, of basketball in the nineties, as much as it's sort of revered was just, I mean, man, manzanita. I mean, I'm glad we've, we've evolved. I mean, we were talking about the end is for nineties page. I mean, all those guys are great. Chris Mullen's the best, uh, you know, rain man and, and, and the glove, but I, that was a bit of a painful experience. I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where it's like when you ride first class, like it's the, the Seinfeld idea, right? If you want you ride first class, you can never go back. I mean, it's like when we, when you watch like pace and space NBA basketball, you never want to go back to like the slog that is, uh, 
that is like the mid nineties Knicks. Yeah. It's also like, I, I just think it's hilarious when people like feel bad for centers. They're like all oh, these poor centers, these poor, like seven footers. I was like, dude, like by being seven feet tall, you have like a 10% chance of making the NBA. Like, like, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Like I would be in the NBA if I was seven feet tall. Like I, like, like I don't feel that bad for these guys that now they just have to roll and dunk. Like, Hey, they're still making like, even at the minimum, they're still making like 2 million. So it's like, not that it's not that hard of a life. Like I don't feel that bad for these guys in this era. Yeah. I mean, and then you have, and then you have the Kevin Durant's and the Giannis's and the Joel Embiid's who are, who move like they're six foot and it's crazy. Oh my gosh. It is. It is. It's so amazing. I mean, watching what those guys are able to do on the court, uh, you know, at the size they're at, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I think Embiid always gets me a little nervous the way he moves because, because he's so dynamic and also the injury history. I kind of go, maybe we should, I don't know if, do you feel, do you find this feeling when you watch Embiid? You're like, maybe we should just fall down a little bit less. Yeah, for sure. I do think, I think, Growing up playing like volleyball and and soccer, I think has helped his like footwork a lot. But yeah, there's also there's definitely like a collective holding of breath every time and bead falls throughout the entire fan base. Seriously. Well, now now you have the fun dynamic of Andre Drummond backing him up. I mean, how do you how do you I mean, they have a they have a long history of uh, antagonism to each other. I mean, what do you, how do you feel about that dynamic going into the season? Uh, Dwight, Dwight was a lot of fun. Um, but I think just at this point in their career, I think Andre Drummond's a better center. So, I mean, I don't, they won't be playing at the same time at all. So I don't know. I think it can work. <laughs> Keep them separated in the locker room and we'll be okay. Right. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't. Embiid is clearly the better player and has got the best of those matchups pretty much every time. So, sure. this is like when parents, their kids are fighting and they put them in like a giant t shirt and they have to like both be in the same t shirt together. <laughs> that's like what that's the basketball <laughs> equivalent of, of that move. That's what like Daryl Moore, Morey just pulled off. Uh, well, I'm curious. I mean, do you have any advice to Daryl Morey in terms of how to manage, you know, his children in a in a do in a in a single T-shirt? I mean, that would be a really big T-shirt for Embiid and Drummond to both fit. You got any advice? I mean, he just gave Embiid the super max, so I think he's picked a side. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> he's picked his it. favorite favorite child. I know it's it's uh, it'll be a, it's gonna be a fun season. I'm excited for for what's to come. Um, well, guys, thank you guys for joining the three and D love NBA podcast. It's been a blast sort of hearing about your guys's journey, uh, and writing and illustrating B is for baller, the basketball alphabet for kids, uh, go and check it out. It's available everywhere. Uh, and, and along with S is for slugger and G is for Glazo, the, uh, all part of the ABC to MVP series of books for children. Um, Thanks again for joining us, guys, and, and have a great rest of your day. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. It was fun. 
That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us at the 3ND Love NBA Podcast. We'll be back next time. But until then, remember, throw it down, big man. This isn't just a great podcast. It's a triumph of the human spirit.